conflict does not have to end in crises. There is this little promoted fact about unity. Watch this. Unity calls for confrontation of the right kind. pastor here at New Life Community Church, and I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. Well, I trust you survived Thanksgiving, and you're looking forward to the Christmas holidays. What a great time that is in and around the church as we ready ourselves for children's Christmas programs and youth programs and on and on and on. It's just a great time. Uh, we are dealing with a very interesting topic, and I think it's uh, apropos for this time of the year. A lot of families are coming together. There's a lot of opportunities for fellowship and love and conflict. Isn't that true? It's a great opportunity for conflict. Now, we're talking in this particular portion of the series on life's pains about the pain of relationships, and we're going to deal with conflict in this particular part of the series, and hopefully I'm going to help you understand, no one understand, that uh, conflict doesn't have to conclude with a crisis. And we're going to be looking at a lot of how-to based upon the Word of God. I want to read our text passage. That's a novel idea, just to read a portion of our text passage to you, and we're going to jump right on into this, and I trust that you will glean immensely from this particular teaching. Galatians chapter 5 is where we find ourselves. Let me read a couple of verses for you, beginning with verse 22. It's a very important passage, and here's what it says. I'm reading from the New International Version, Galatians 5, beginning in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, verse 23, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. There's nothing that comes against these things. In fact, these things, when put into effect in our life, in the power of the Spirit, will be very helpful to us, in particular in terms of dealing with relational conflict. Father, I thank you so much for each one that's turned on this telecast, and I pray that by your word you would speak to hearts. Help us to know and understand that we, we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. Our conflict isn't with one another, and yet our, those times of relational conflict can provide us an opportunity to come together to love in a different and unique way in the power of the Spirit. And we'll thank you, Lord, for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. This one culprit has resulted in a myriad, and for those of you that don't know what that is, a gob, 
It's resulted in a myriad of relational issues that directly impact the work of the church. Pastor Terry, how in the world did you jump to that? Let me cite Mr. Kim again. Again, he's citing others, and I've heard this a multitude of different ways, but he helped me here. Quote, abandonment issues are often connected to and projected onto God. I'm going to stop right there. There may not be somebody looking back at me with your own two eyeballs right now, and your warm body is here, but I guarantee you there's someone in that live stream audience this morning or will hear this later, and this shoe fits. Abandonment issues are often connected to and projected onto God. How many of our congregants equate difficulty in loving God, the Heavenly Father, with strained or non-existent relationships with earthly fathers? End quote. Pastor T, what am I supposed to do when I'm doing right? And yet I encounter other persons within my circle of relationships that either refuse or fail to do the same. I'm doing right, but they fail to do right. Pastor Terry, I chose to do right and I'm doing right, but my spouse chose wrong. I chose right, but my children chose wrong. Or perhaps some child is saying, I chose right, but my parents chose wrong. I chose right, but my friends chose wrong. I chose right, but my work associates chose wrong. I chose right, but the other members of the church, my church fellowship chose wrong. Those dirty, rotten scoundrels. I chose right, my neighbor chose wrong. Pastor Terry, this is painful. What do I do? It wasn't my fault. Here's what you do. You ready for this? When everyone around you, listen to me, when everyone around you chooses to do wrong, you, especially then, you resolve to continue doing right. When everybody else is doing wrong, you resolve to continue doing right. Are you with me? In many respects, many, many respects, the lines are blurred between this teaching and the teaching last week on losses. And many of the things I'm talking about right now generally fall into the category of losses. How many of you know that abandonment, regardless of the nature of that abandonment, it is a loss? Isn't that true? It's a loss. What happens? What do you do, Pastor Terry, when that happens? Here's what you do, beloved. You have to react to your relations with a Romans 8.28 strategy. You remember Romans 8.28? All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You have to resort to that strategy. Oh, there you go, Pastor. That's just a cop-out for you. No, it isn't. Listen, I'm trying to help you. Romans 8.28 is a promise to the body of Christ. And I trust you'll get a hold of it and, and accept it for what it is and allow it to change you from the inside out. 
I'm going to have to hurry up because I want to get to a couple, couple more things real quick like no, close to number seven on your study notes. I'm talking about another area of pain management. Abandonment causes problems. There's something else that causes problems. Another key contributor to relational pain is unresolved conflict. Unresolved conflict. Let me say this to you. This will be tremendously helpful to you if you pick up what I'm putting down. Conflict does not have to end in crises. Do you know that? Conflict does not have to end in crises. There is this little promoted fact about unity. Watch this. Unity calls for confrontation of the right kind. I'm not talking about blowing up, giving somebody a piece of your mind. I'm talking about just the resolve to sit down in love with grace and confront someone eyeball to eyeball, the right kind of confrontation. Unity calls for communication. They hurt me and they ought to know it. They know what I'm thinking. Oh my goodness, do you know what I'm thinking? Say no. Then how in the world do you think I know what you're thinking? They don't know what you're thinking. It calls for communication. Unity calls for, here it is, the big C word. You'll want to write this on your study notes. Everybody loves this. Compromise. 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 Unity calls for confrontation, communication, compromise of the right kind. This would be a great place for me to get back to my text, don't you think? Because I'm going to show you how to do confrontation, communication, and compromise. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22. Look at what it says, but. Now, he just gave us the works of the flesh, and he says don't do these things, but. But means draw a line, and here's what you do. The fruit of the Spirit is. Look at me, new life. The fruit of the Spirit is. It exists. It's for real. It's not just some mystic thought. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. I'm going to call that, you'll want to remember this for ages to come. We're going to call this the Bible's relationship proviso. If you condition your life by these nine little things, the nine components of the fruit of the Spirit, if you condition your life by these, and beloved, your relationships will improve immensely. Hmm? Remember, let me do a little summary. If this is right, this will be right. You do things God's way, this will be right. And this is God's way. James says, here's the two things. So don't do this, but let's do that. Paul's writing to the Galatians so that Pastor Terry would have something to preach on uh, here in October of 2021. And he says, here's what you do. You put these things out. You condition your life by these things, and your relationships will improve immensely. Do you believe that? It's biblical. 
The New Testament is chock full of accounts of personal conflict, watch this, that was adequately resolved and did not end up in a crisis of relational tragedy. Now, quickly, let me give you number eight. It's the last thing on your study notes, and we're going to make application here. We're going to take some time with that, so don't get in a hurry. You can put your shoes on, but don't get in a hurry. The pain, everybody say pain. Everybody say pain. pain. Thank you. The pain ultimately stems from unresolved conflict. Unresolved conflict. Conflict happens, but it need not go unresolved. Here's number eight. Most conflict can be quickly resolved by forgiveness. Now, I'm talking to some people right now. There's some kind of conflict happened in your life, some kind of relational conflict happened a long, long time ago, and you're hanging on to it for dear life. There's several different reasons why. Number one, you think if you hang on to that, then the person that injured you is just going to feel your pain. <laughs> They're out there having the time of their life. They don't even know you're hurting, probably. Okay, and then I go back to the confrontation, communication, compromise thing. But here's something that's very, very important for you. Most conflict can be quickly resolved by forgiveness. Not hanging on to the, the injury, but forgiveness. You don't understand what forgiveness means? Let me show you. Somebody tell me what this is. Bottle of water. You know what I'm doing? I'm embracing it. I love my little bottle of water. I love this. This is an infraction, by the way. Somebody did something to me, and I'm just hanging on to it. You know what forgiveness means? Forgiveness means that you do this. That's what God does with your sins when you confess them. He casts them into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. And if you claim to be a follower of Christ, you have to do the same thing. Forgive us our sins. Help me now. As we forgive those who sin against us. Well, Pastor Terry, if they would, I would. I don't know what perversion of the scriptures you're reading, but that's not what it says. Here's a thought. If you do, they probably will. I'm talking about how to resolve conflict and heal some, some relational deterioration in your life. Listen to me. I understand as good as anybody that forgiveness is not easy. It's been, Don and I have been married, what, almost 42 years, going on for some 42 years. And I've uh, been one or two times I had to apologize to her in 42 years. <laughs> I don't make a lot of mistakes maritally. I'm telling you, it's not easy to do that forgiveness thing. It's not easy. But watch this. It is essential. It's essential. How much relational pain could be healed if we'd learn to forgive human error? I'm talking about prevention, management, now, let me draw a line there real quick. By the way, I could have preached on this for days, and I'm trying to cram a lot into one, one message. Let's see if we can make application this morning. Pastor, I've been injured. 
I suffered pain relationally. Perhaps it was abandonment. Perhaps it's unresolved conflict. Perhaps it's something else. Listen, when we endure a relational issue, whoever you are, whatever it is, here's what you do. Ultimately, seek God for Holy Spirit intervention to help with the resolution process. It's called prayer. Going before the Lord in prayer. Now watch, church. It doesn't sound like this. Dear God, will you strike so-and-so with lightning in Jesus' name? Amen. That's not what I'm talking about. How many of you ever prayed like, don't you raise your hand? (laughs) Let me encourage you not to default to division. Division is horrible. It happens in families and it happens in church families, at workplaces and in the community. It happens all the time. It's terrible. Some people thrive on it, by the way, because they don't know any better. I'm trying to help you understand there's a better way. Go to the Word of God, the Word of God for direction in such matters discover, literally discover, uncover God's plan and resolve to make it happen. I'm talking about when there's something relationally going on in your life that went sideways, do these things. Pray about it. Don't focus on the division. Go to God's word and discover God's plan, uh, how to resolve this thing, how to make this thing go away. It's there. Ask Holy Spirit to help you focus. Everybody say focus. Not on the disagreement. You know, typically that's what we do, don't we? Because we don't love our neighbor like we love ourselves. We love ourselves, and I've been hurt, so we're going to focus on that. Not on the disagreement or even the unfair. I'm telling you, I don't wish to minimize before you that your hurt was unfair or it was undeserved treatment. I'm not trying to minimize that at all. I'm just trying to help you see that you you need not focus on the disagreement or the unfairness or all of that, but rather, can I encourage you (laughs) when you go through those kind of situations, Focus on your own shortcomings. Write them out. Oh, that'd be a real exercise, wouldn't it? Terry is a jerk. Here's why. Any more paper? It might be my first big bestseller. Terry is a jerk. Focus on your own shortcomings. Focus on your own contributions to the division. Focus on God's power to restore. Can God forgive you of your sins and make you a fit candidate for him for all eternity in heaven? Can he also help you in your relational problems? Can he fix those? Oh, that's a novel idea. I want to go to heaven, but I want to still hate all my neighbors. Focus on God's faithfulness to keep us faithful to him and others. Lastly, Pastor Terry, how do I escape messed up, jacked up relationships that are inherited? What are you talking about, Pastor Terry? I'm talking about some messed up situation that you were born into. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1 says this. Look at the uh, monitors if you don't have a Bible. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, 
to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Look at verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You've heard that preached on a dozen times. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I took you there to say this to you. Beloved, if your family has brought you into the world, your family that brought you into the world, if they have brought into your life more heartaches than blessings, then here's a lifeline for you here in Romans chapter 12. Now, I want to say to you that if your family has brought more heartaches into your life than blessings, I'm truly sorry about that. I work with a lot of young people all the time that deal with such situations, and it's painful, it hurts, it stinks, it really makes me angry. But I want you to know and understand that you don't have to live the rest of your life under those heartaches. You don't have to live the rest of your life under those heartaches. Pastor Terry, what's the solution? Paul tells us here, determine that you are not going to conform to that pattern. Now watch, sometimes I told you when grandpa's doing something, you have a tendency to think that's normal. Then you begin to realize if that's normal, you don't want it. And then hopefully the gospel comes on, the word of God comes on, some Christians come along and show you how to do this thing and you see that and you can say, you know what, that's what I want. So I'm not going to conform to that. I know we have a lot of family traditions and blah, 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 and I hate to be the white sheep of the family, but I'm going to resolve that I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to conform to that pattern any longer. Does this make sense to anybody? I'm going to fall in love with Abba Father. You may not even know who your father is. You may not. Earthly father or mother. Or, or family. Your family may be all out of whack in that regard. But you can look at your heavenly father, Abba Father, and fall in love with him. He loves you and he'll draw you to himself in ways that you just, it'll blow your mind. And you can determine to know every little jot and tittle every dot of the I and every cross of the T in his love letter to you. I'm talking about the Bible. Oh, and you begin to get into that and realize just how much he does love you, how much he does care about you, just what a wonderful plan he does have for your life. How do you fix this? You resolve that you're going to give God permission. Watch, this is in that little box on your study notes. Resolve that you're going to give God permission to transform you by renewing your mind. The choice is simple. You can continue to perpetuate the perversion of sin as it has affected maybe your family for generations. Or you can give God permission to transform you, to bring you out of that and transform you by the renewing of your mind. Your history may have been may have subjected your body may have subjected your mind and your soul to the sin and destruction of this present world. But beloved, your future does not have to bear that burden. 
For the child of God, pastor friend of mine used to sign his letters, our future is as bright as the promises of God. How true that is. Beloved, we're going to wrap it up right there. And let me do so by just throwing this out to you. I want to remind you once again that conflict, relational conflict, does not have to end in a crisis. Now, here's what happens quite often. We are in a conflict with someone in a relational issue, and we decide and determine that they are wrong and we're right, and we're going to push that issue to the nth degree. Can I encourage you to back up? When you encounter a conflict, in particular with someone that you love, someone you care about, someone you're in a relationship with, back up, take a look in here. Take a look in here and resolve that you're going to allow God to change you and transform you and transform your heart and transform your mind in the spiritual realm in order that you might overcome this obstacle and this potential crisis in order for some good to come out of it. Now, the key is this. You give God permission to transform you, to do a work inside you. You see, we, can't, we don't have any control whatsoever over what happens out there, very little control. There's some things we can push buttons and you say, yeah, I'm in control of this mechanically. But with relationships and people, humanity, there's very little that we can do out there, but there's a whole lot that we can allow God to do within us that can change situations. Once we're changed and we confront the situation with a different attitude, then that on the outside begins to come around as well. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, if I do that, then I lose and they win. No. Listen, when a crisis or a conflict is avoided, isn't it true that everybody wins, typically? Now, beloved, I'm not talking about doing away with your convictions or going along to get along. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about finding the peace of God in a situation and allowing God to change you so that you're right on the inside in order that you can confront these situations. It's a win-win situation. I trust you'll get a hold of this truth. Let me pray for you once again. Tell you a little about new life before I have to get out of here. Father, I thank you for each one listening in. I pray for those specifically that they're in some sort of relationship and there's some conflict. I pray that they, as well as myself, would be able to look inside and give you permission to change us, to transform us on the inside, that we might react differently on the outside in order to bring peace to our relationships. In particular, during this holiday season, we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, before I get out of here, I do want to encourage you to be involved in a church fellowship. Please do not allow television or live stream or those things to suffice for a good old-fashioned hug and some fellowship and sitting under anointed, uh, godly Bible preaching and teaching. New Life has such an order of service. Sunday mornings we meet at 10 o'clock. People ask me, I've been asked so many times recently if we're open. <laughs> My initial response is, what do you mean are we open? We never close. The church doesn't close. And sometimes we have to be smart about the public gatherings. But yes, we're open Sunday morning. 10 o'clock, we also have, we're kind of strange. We like to get together more than once a week. In fact, we're together quite a bit. Uh, we also have midweek activities Wednesday night at 
7 o'clock, something for nearly every member of the family. Be sure and check out our website. The web address is there on the screen. I encourage you, if you're watching this on YouTube, to subscribe to our channel. It'll be very helpful to us. You just click on that little icon down there in the corner, and all that uh, information will come up. You know how to do that. I'm Terry Knight, pastor of New Life Community Church. Thank you so much for being a part of my life here for just a few moments. I pray that God's going to continue to bless you all over the place. Terry Knight, reminding you, beloved, that Jesus is coming back. Is he coming back? Mm -hmm.